0: Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit hopechurchmemphis.com. Today's message comes from senior associate pastor Eli. Hey, back when I was, was growing up, in middle school and high school, everybody had to take physical education, gym class, if you will. Guys, see if you agree with me on this. The cruelest practice in the history of gym class is the practice known as shirts and skins, okay? One team competes in their shirts and the other team naked from the waist up. Now, all you really have to do is look at me and realize why I didn't really like the concept. And if if you liked shirts and skins, it's only because you are ripped that, that taking your shirt off is a celebration of God's handiwork <laughs> rather than a frightening reminder of the total depravity of man. In fact, they, they named a uh, reality TV show uh, based on my shirts and skins experience in middle school. Naked and Afraid. You ever heard of Naked and Afraid? <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. It's pretty funny. When it came to shirts and skins, I always found myself on the wrong side. You have been on the wrong side, whatever that might mean for you. Maybe you lived on the wrong side of the tracks. You found yourself on the wrong side of an argument or the wrong side of history. Maybe you've driven on the wrong side of the road. Remember these. This is a real Bible you probably got one at home. But if you're like me, these days I typically read the Bible on my phone or on my laptop. But my phone or my laptop cannot accomplish this illustration I'm about to show you. Let me give you a quick little lesson on the Bible, okay? Uh, in Genesis 1 and 2, here's Genesis 1. and Genesis 1 and 2, God creates the entire world and the first two humans. Okay, that's two and a half pages. By the sixth verse of chapter three, the humans have jacked everything up. (laughs) I mean, look at this. (laughs) I mean, you know the story, right? There's a snake, there's fruit. And, and here's how it ends up in Genesis 3 uh, 6 and 7. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable uh, for, for gaining wisdom, she, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Naked and afraid, right? There is a separation between God and his creation. A veil, if you will. Isaiah 59, verse 2 says this Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now God in his grace and mercy made provision for the children of Israel to remain in contact with God, but it wasn't the same. We're told that Adam and Eve would would hear God walking in the garden in the cool of the evening. That's over. There There was a veil like this in the temple. This separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And the chief priest was allowed beyond that veil only once a year to offer sacrifices for the people of Israel. But this night, 2,000 plus years ago, proved to be the veils last night. The events of Good Friday would take the veil to the ground. But for this night, it remained. So how should we reflect tonight on on the veil's last night? First of all, we feel the anguish of separation. Separation is a cruel foe. Not being able to be with the one or the ones we were created to be with is painful on every level. We feel the heartache of losing a loved one to distance or worse, to death. I have a funeral on Saturday of a young woman who was tragically taken from us a week ago today. There is great anguish in the home and and in the homes of those who loved her. How much more devastating is separation from God? But, But let me be honest. For some, it's not devastating at all. You can't be anguished over a relationship that you never knew existed. I don't feel any anguish over my lifelong separation from JLo. And so, my friends and family who have never really known that God loves them and wants to live in relationship with them, they're oblivious to any separation and that separation exists whether they are oblivious or not but God's intention was always relational and we blew it and God created the system of prophets and sacrifices and high priest to facilitate his will but there was there was no walking in the cool of the evening in the garden patty and i were in berlin 38 years ago. I know that it's been 38 years because she was pregnant with Avery, our middle child, and he's 38. The Berlin Wall was still up. And we were taking a, a, a one-day trip from West Berlin to East Berlin. And to do that in those days, you had to pass through a checkpoint called Checkpoint Charlie. It was, it was a pretty tense transition from the freedom of the West into, the, into communist East Berlin. Lots of military, lots of guns. We were in a couple of vans. 10 or 12 Americans, uh, half black, half white. Two of the couples were interracial, which really threw the guards off. They didn't know what to do with that. My good friend, Rudy Howard, who some of you know, Rudy, God rest his soul, was always the loudest, funniest character in any room until he got to Checkpoint Charlie. That brother was quiet as a church mouse. I'd never seen him like that, which made me more nervous. Checkpoint took forever. And as I said, uh, Patty was eight months pregnant. She had to go to the bathroom. So our our guide called the guard over, and he reluctantly escorted Patty and another woman in our group to a restroom. He's, He's got a pistol on his side and an automatic weapon slung over his shoulder, taking my wife to the bathroom. Well, as it turned out, she could get in the stall with no problem, but she couldn't get out. The door was stuck. Her friend tried to help her, but she couldn't. And pregnant Patty was not of the body shape to crawl under (laughs) or over the door, that's fair, isn't it? Patty was separated from all she knew and all the people who loved her. She was experiencing the anguish of separation. When Perlene said she was going to leave and get help, Patty panicked. She was experiencing her own Berlin Wall. She couldn't get over it or under it. And when Pearline announced that she was leaving, Patty lowered her shoulder and busted that door open like the SWAT team, buddy. <laughs> She don't play, man, when she gets scared. <laughs> and so on the last night of the veil, we feel the anguish of separation. Also on the last night, we are reminded of the loneliness that separation causes. Jesus felt very much alone in the garden on that fateful Thursday night. Certainly he had the father He had the Father, and he conversed honestly with him. Remember, he said, Abba, Father. He said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. He was anguished. So Jesus was not strictly alone. He had the Father. But we know that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And the human element of the Savior had forged a, a rich friendship with a particular group of men and women. He had just had a last meal with his disciples, all of them, save one, Judas, who was hustled out early to to do his evil work. But we are told that Peter, Andrew, and John went out to the garden to pray, and yet they mainly slept. Then he returned to his disciples, it says in Mark 14, and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I'm sure Peter said, yeah, 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 I got it, I'm sorry. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, they're snoring over there. He found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him at this point. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This world can be a lonely place, separated from those we love, and it can be supremely lonely, separated from God. Tomorrow I'm on a panel of seven preachers at St. Paul's Baptist Church who will reflect on the seven last words of Jesus on the cross. My, my, mine is this, I will speak on my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you are feeling lonely tonight, know that Jesus did as well on this night in the garden so many years ago, and that his loneliness was compounded on Good Friday when he felt forsaken by the Father. And so on the last night of the veil, we feel the anguish of separation and the loneliness that separation causes, but also we wonder if the separation is our forever fate. Is this what our forever looks like? Being separated for a time is one thing. Eternal separation is something altogether different. Is this this our fate here? To be separated like this, this veil is separated the stage? Did the sin of Adam and Eve and my own subsequent sinfulness create a barrier that I can't get around or over or through? Will I carry this separation to the grave and beyond? Because I, I, I know the scripture. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This night is hopeless and tomorrow is tragic unless we know the fullness of the story. Go a couple chapters over in Romans. Paul writes, for while we were still weak. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps For a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So tonight we commemorate the last meal. We remember the anguish of separation, the loneliness that separation brings, and we dream of the good that might come. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says this, Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you for behold darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Before we come to the table, let's pray together. Father, this is such a holy and sacred night for us to be reminded of your anguish, of your loneliness, and to be reminded of the beginning of your sacrifice, to have your disciples gather around you for a meal that would be their last supper with you while you were still alive in that body. And for us to commemorate it here a couple thousand years later is a wonderful and beautiful and precious blessing. So Father, I pray for us to contemplate this night, for us to think through where are we with you, and what does this veil mean in our lives, we pray in Christ's name. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Oppenheisen, Musical Worship Director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.